and I saw a lot of um, very stressed, tired, and sick individuals, and a lot of women, so mostly women who had given up their health while building wealth, so to speak. Welcome to the Put Yourself First podcast. Inspiring conversations with badass women, empowering you to make time for your personal goals and put yourself first. Today's guest is Celine Morin. Celine has been on the podcast before. You may have heard her episode if you've been around for a while. Last summer, Celine and I spoke in Bath, in the Apex Hotel in Bath, about staying healthy and feeling your best whilst living on the go, having a hectic work schedule, travel schedule, life schedule. We have a great conversation today about women and pleasure and how we need more celebration, connection, pleasure, curiosity, joy in our lives. So Celine has some great tips and daily practices that we can all start doing today to experience that. Who doesn't want more of that in their life? Let us know your biggest takeaways and the one thing you're going to try from this episode. Tag us in your Instagram stories. So with all that being said, let's dive in to today's discussion with Celine Morin. Welcome back to Put Yourself First, everyone. And welcome back to Celine, who's been on the podcast before. You guys might have heard from her. But if you've not, Celine, would you like to introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah. Hi, Kat. And hi, everybody listening. Um, so I'm a French South African living now in London. So that's where the accent is from. I'm a registered dietitian by qualification. But what I do full time now is uh, professional speaking, mostly with entrepreneurs and business leaders around workplace well-being. So how can we stay energized and put ourselves first while working, be that in our own business or in collaboration with others. I love that. I think so many women listening, myself included, need that advice because that's what this podcast is all about. So our um, our passions really align. So yeah. yeah and, and as a female entrepreneur myself, I know how even I know what to do and I don't put it into practice. So yeah, having these nudges and getting very practical ideas on how we can make it work within the context of such busy, stressful lives is absolutely key. Tell us a bit more about your personal journey with workplace wellbeing and how you came to do the work that you do and be passionate about the messages that you share now. Yeah, so in the beginning of my career, so between 2000 and 2005, for five years, I was in clinical practice as a dietitian. And I, and I saw a lot of um, very stressed, tired and sick individuals and a lot of women, so mostly women who had given up their health while building wealth, so to speak. And so they had either digestive issues like irritable bowel, uh, struggling with weight, struggling with mood, maybe even um, diabetes or high cholesterol or high blood pressure. And I just realized that I didn't want to wait for people and women in particular to be sick and then come and see me. So in 2006, I had an opportunity to do a corporate well-being program with a, a large insurer. 
And that just changed my life. So from 2006, I've now worked with businesses, uh, bringing work, uh, bringing well-being messages to the workplace uh, and working with entrepreneurs around how to help them not give up their energy and their health while they're building their business. And um, so that's a bit about my career. But what makes my approach different, because most of us know what we should be doing around our well-being. I mean, we know that we need sleep and we should drink water and eat vegetables and exercise. But this common knowledge just isn't common practice. And so my, my passion is around behavior change. So how do we how do we actually create new behaviors in a way that sticks and is easy within the context of busy lives? And also keeping true to my own heritage. So my parents uh, left the Champagne region in France and they went on honeymoon in 1969. And they are still on honeymoon in South Africa. That's where they stopped over and just never left. And so I was brought up with the whole um, French way of living and, and, and especially around wine and champagne. And for me, what I, and, and I'm sure what we'll discuss uh, during the rest of our chat today is how as women, we can be healthy and well, but not in a way that's boring. Like how can, like for me, a glass of champagne is like, I never want to say no to that. So that's a large part of my approach is um, staying true to my French heritage, which is about balance, celebration and pleasure, really. I love that. And yeah, I do think a lot of, um, a lot of British women are massively, myself included, massively inspired by French women and their approach to well-being because like you say there's there's health there's well-being there's relaxation there's stress management there's all these things that we know we should be doing but there's also so much like so much pleasure and joy in cooking and food and eating with other people and enjoying you know indulgent food and indulgent drinks like champagne like you know really good cheese and all that kind of stuff that yeah, I think I'm yeah. really excited to talk about that um, that sort of fine balance that you guys just seem to nail and we don't. <laughs> yeah, and, and it is so important because what we've seen is that the alternative approach, which is around dieting and deprivation. I mean, I mean, if we think of the word diet, what are the first three letters of that word? Exactly. Like die. And we punish ourselves and we cut things out. And what I've seen in my experience of working with women individually or in groups, and I'm not the only one because there's there are other women that are doing this too, is when you embrace um, the, the, the fact that you, you have favorite foods, like you mentioned cheese, so perhaps that's where we have common ground. I love good cheese too. And when you allow yourself some decadence and joy, I just see women are much healthier. They, it creates less stress. They're less emotional. And then surprisingly, they end up losing weight if that's something that they want to do. Yeah. Much exactly. easier than when they're on these diets that are like, you know, for four weeks, you're on the Spartan approach and you're miserable and you create nutritional deficiencies and you're just not excited about it. I mean, life's just too short not to be excited about, about something as important and significant as food. I completely agree. So would you like to talk a bit more about your champagne campaign, you've called it? So you've already touched on it, but there are three pillars involved that you like to share. So would you like to touch on them and then we can dive into some really great tips for people? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, the champagne campaign is 
um, a product or an idea that was sparked two years ago when I decided to leave South Africa and really, you know, tap into my own personal desires. And my desire was to live in the UK so that I could make a difference here, but also so that I could connect with my family in France more easily. And that's what I've been doing. So now I live in the UK permanently and I go to France as often as I can. And, and the Champagne campaign for me has two components. So the campaign is important. And I haven't quite decided what that is. But what I would like is all, all the products that will be offered under Champagne campaign, which will be um, half day and full day workshops, as well as retreats around the concept that we'll discuss in a moment. But all the revenue will then drive a campaign that meets the three pillars so some kind of charity, and I've been doing some research. And if anybody's listening to this podcast and has some ideas around exciting projects that are happening that may need some funding, I'd be very interested to support that. Fantastic. Yeah, and then the champagne bit is around, I mean, I'm not suggesting that everybody drinks champagne. In fact, I mean, we know that alcohol is not actually that good for us. <laughs> so we need to drink moderately. But what makes the Champagne campaign special is the symbolism of champagne. I mean, I'm sure you'll agree and any of the listeners that when you see a bottle of champagne or hear it being popped or you're drinking champagne, you're probably celebrating something. Yeah. And I mean, there's there's even moments. Um, an obvious example is uh, uh, sporting events like the, the Tour de France or big events where at the end of the event, when they celebrate, they, they open champagne. And not everybody drinks it. Like I know, I mean, the cyclists, for instance, on the Tour de France wouldn't drink champagne, but they but they pop it and celebrate. So that's what the, the main, the core of the champagne campaign is around bringing in more celebration and pleasure into our lives. And the reason for that is because, well, there's many. I mean, when we celebrate, we're in a state generally of gratitude and happiness. And there is tremendous science and research to show that even if you just spend 20 seconds feeling grateful or feeling a sense of pleasure and celebration, you can change your internal body chemistry for the better. Like you reduce hormones related to stress, like adrenaline and cortisol. You start releasing hormones like oxytocin that make you feel more connected and loving. Um, we know that the brain has the ability to be more empathetic and compassionate. So there's a lot of science to support why feeling grateful or in, in a moment of celebration can be very powerful for your well-being. I love that. Yeah, I think that's so, yeah, that's so poignant. And just thinking about the women in my life who I admire for their health and well-being practices, they're all women who have that sense of um have that sense of gratitude and celebration and they're they allow like they allow themselves to acknowledge their achievements they you know will go on a night out with their friends to celebrate something they're drinking wine they're going out for a meal and it's it, but they're equally at the same time some of the healthiest um most well people that I know so yeah yeah that it's so true it's such a it's such a chemical shift in your body when you have that attitude to life, I think, as well. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think as women, we, we often, we hold back from celebrating because we're often our most strongest inner critics, you know. 
And instead of waiting for big moments to have champagne or to what champagne symbolizes for me is also sparkle in life. So, um, yeah, like we, we should be celebrating the small things. We don't have to wait for marriages and birthdays and weddings or, or big sporting events. Like every day, every morning that I wake up, for instance, as I put my feet on the carpet next to my bed, I just take one deep breath and that's a moment of gratitude and celebration for me that I have the start of another new day. So it, it's also about asking ourselves, where, where can we celebrate small things? I mean, we don't need to be spending money on expensive champagne. I mean, if you like Prosecco, go for Prosecco. If you like Cava, go for it. I mean, it's, um, and also it doesn't even have to be alcohol. If you, the other night I was looking up at the stars and I was just like, wow. Because it's not often in the UK that we have these clear, clear skies at night where you can see a sky full of stars. And I was just like, that is beautiful. Like, that's the sparkle in my life in this moment. And when we're in the moment, we're also present and grounded, which is very powerful for helping us be more effective and productive and get the most out of life. So I'm not sure, Kat, if you're a fan of Eckhart Tolle. He's mm. the author of several books. And uh, yeah, I've been listening to the interviews uh, between him and Oprah around his book, The Power of Now. And yeah, he's one of many experts and mindfulness experts that speak about how powerful it is for us to be present every moment. And so when you remind yourself through the day, it can be just one breath in as you look out your office window or as you're about to start your car to drive off to a meeting or collect the kids or as you're brewing a cup of tea if you can just think of one thing you're grateful for what can you celebrate in this moment even if it is just that moment in itself that you remembered <laughs> you know that can be very powerful when it adds up yeah it's huge and it is the little things that add up isn't it absolutely and I think when we you know uh, there's that famous, that well-known quote that says, we, we are what we repeatedly do. Mm. So if you repeatedly celebrate, you know, you start with one moment in the day and maybe it becomes two. And if you're lucky, maybe it becomes a moment every hour. I mean, imagine over a week and a month and a year, how that starts to rewire your your neural pathways in your brain for looking for things to celebrate. Because this world has got a lot of reasons not to celebrate. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, we don't need to start with that. So I think if we just start looking at what we're grateful for and how we can be happy in the moment, it could serve us well. Yeah, definitely. And then, of course, I mean, if, if you can open a good bottle of wine over a good meal with company, because generally when we, when we are enjoying good food or good wine, certainly in a French context, it's never on your own. So French women typically won't um, uh, just drink on their own, you know. So then you're with others and you're connecting, which is the, the second pillar of the champagne campaign. So the first one is around celebration. And then the second one is around connection, which is connection to yourself and then to others. And um, that also helps us drive and build community. So today, I know that a lot of us live such busy lives. We're so isolated. We just end up like just connecting with ourselves. And I think as women, we have such a natural nurturing ability to connect with others that that can be very powerful too. Yeah, I love that. I feel like during a busy period for me, I really crave that connection with other women especially because 
Yeah. It yeah, it does have I've always said like I'm a girl's girl and I think I just gravitate towards women who are like me, who are who you just have that you know that you know your girlfriends who you just have an instant connection with when you met them. I think we need that um when we are so busy, when we are so hectic, even though it's sometimes even more difficult to arrange to see your friends for just a coffee or a glass of wine at the end of the day it's even more necessary than when you're not stressed I think absolutely absolutely and um because we know that when we're connecting with people that we that we care about that we love that that's very good for us and a lot of people today and even women, I think when we become so busy with life, it's easy to to compromise on that. Like, oh, no, I mean, I, I don't have time because I've got the business and the kids. And like, we sometimes don't even have time to connect with ourselves. Yeah. So um, when we talk through some practical ideas around bringing pleasure and celebration into our lives, you know, something as simple as when you've made a cup of tea, could you actually sit at a window and drink it rather than go straight to your computer and start answering emails or working on a proposal? Or could you take a, a luscious bath with yourself with some beautiful oils or bubble bath or take the time to make a phone call to a friend rather than just WhatsApping, <laughs> you mm. know, and actually have a conversation and connect? So connecting with others is important, but what what I feel is even more important is definitely connecting with ourselves first and one way that I do that myself is I have a daily mindfulness uh, or meditation practice. So I try and spend a minimum of 10 minutes every day. I usually do it in the morning where I sit in stillness and the rewards have been like enormously good. I mean, one example is sometimes in those 10 minutes, I have these creative ideas that come up that I know would not have arrived had I just kept myself busy. I also, it gives me a chance to listen to my body. And there's a, there's a lot of um, stress and trauma that sometimes gets held in the body. So especially as women, when we don't get a chance or an opportunity to express ourselves, then when you sit in stillness, those kind of feelings can come up and they may not always be easy to process at the moment, mm. but long-term, they just help us show up more authentically. Uh, and less stressed. So I'd highly recommend, you know, finding, if you can, 10 minutes on as many days of the week as you can to sit in stillness. Um, and if you need help, I mean, there, there's some great meditation or mindfulness apps. And um, I'd, I'd, I'm also available, you know, once I share my contact details at the end of our chat today, if anybody has questions around how they could build a practice around that. Yeah, that would be really helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's so important because so many of us are so, we're so rushed, especially in our, because I'm a huge fan of a morning routine, even if you're not a morning person, like you say, just having 10 minutes to yourself in the morning, you show up better in your life. So yes. it actually, spending that time doing nothing, quote unquote nothing by yourself, for some women might they might look at that and think, oh, well, that's completely unproductive. Why would I do that? I need to get to my emails. But actually, it's probably going to make you more productive at work. It's going to improve your relationships. It's going to improve your health. It's just going to improve so many areas of your life that 
yeah, it's a completely vital part for me as well. And I've the thing with meditation that I've personally noticed too is it's totally a prevention thing because if yeah. I don't do it when I feel good, um, it's hard to bring myself back when I am in a state of panic or stress or anxiety. Whereas when I'm consistent with it, even on the days that I feel okay, it makes my mindset a lot more resilient and my body on that sort of level playing field of calm when something goes wrong. Absolutely. I mean, I I started meditating quite a few years ago and the first, I would say, year or two, I didn't quite feel the benefit. I mean, I felt the benefit in terms of I was definitely calmer on the days that I had meditated and it helps you sleep better because I sometimes do it at night because I'm I'm a very light sleeper and I find that I can be so physically tired, but my head is wired <laughs> mm. and I, I can't sleep. And so if I just lie on the floor or I sit quietly without my phone and any digital input for 10 minutes before I go to bed, I find that helps me rest. But now, now that I've been doing this um, for several years, I've noticed that I've actually changed in the way I respond to uh, stress triggers. Like in the past, I, you know, I I really don't like my time being wasted. So if I arrive somewhere and there's a long queue, I used to get quite irritated. And now I'm like, oh, there's a, a long queue. Well, here's an opportunity for me to stand and I can catch up on some reading or I could listen to something or I could just be, you know. And that's another thing is as, as women, I think we forget that we are human beings, not human doings. And, you know, I know that I struggle with, um, I, I identify my self-worth with how successful I've been and what I've gotten done. And I've had to really, I continuously work on that, that I am still worthy, even if I don't do anything and I just sit for a while and just be, because I'm a human being, a woman being in this moment. And I think that's possibly one of the hardest things that as women who are busy and running businesses and families and friendships, probably the hardest thing for us is to justify that self-care and just be with ourselves when there is so much to do in our lives. Yeah, I, yeah, I have totally been there and I definitely am still there with the queuing or the traffic or something that is, to me, I always think oh I'm, I'm wasting my time this is a waste of my time this is a waste of 20 minutes or I've lost half an hour of my day which in my brain like you say I'm thinking how much can I done how much can I get done today how productive can I be today that's 30 minutes that I'm not being productive but I love reframing it to see it as an opportunity to just be and just like breathe or look around or do something that you otherwise wouldn't have you wouldn't have been able to have that moment to yourself because if there was no queue you'd just be rushing to the front and then you'd be gone onto your next appointment or onto your next task so yeah, yeah i really like that one yeah and i mean the benefits of being in the moment and being mindful and and especially if you do take the time out to actually um meditate so to sit in stillness and either focus on your breath or maybe listen to a guided visualization or do a body scan where you, you know, you work up from your feet all the way up your legs and through to your head and you relax different body parts. What we know now by the research is that 
when you do that regularly, and it doesn't have to be, I mean, you don't have to go to a a retreat center in the middle of India and uh, and spend a week or two or a month there. You can literally do 10 minutes in your living room or in your office, and you will start to change your brain for the better. Yeah. Because the brain, the brain is neuroplastic, which means that it has an ability to shift and change. And when you meditate regularly, you start to increase the memory center of the brain. So the hippocampus, that's what that's called. It becomes more dense and able to um, remember things. So your memory improves. And there's other benefits like your empathy skills and compassion goes up. And you reduce the part of the brain that triggers the stress response. And I know as women, we can be quite, I know I can be quite reactive versus responsive. But when I'm in a meditative, calm, centered place, I find that I don't react. I give myself a moment and then I'm like, how do I choose to respond to this particular tra trigger? And that can be anything from an email to a phone call to somebody that maybe drives badly in front of you. Yeah. Oh, they're bad drivers. They're the ones that get me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. one time to practice your ability to be calm and in the moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think we give so much of our power away to other people when this is a complete other conversation and we're going off I, I realize I'm going off on a tangent but we do give our power when we let that trigger of stress get to us and we actually let that small, often small, silly thing have a knock-on effect on our day, on our mood, on our conversations with our friends that day, on how good we feel. That we like, we're giving so much power away to something that we doesn't deserve it as well. That is so true, and you're right. I mean, that is a a really good conversation to have. So, by being in the moment, we can own our power. Absolutely. Yeah. So moving on to pillar three, which is curiosity. I'm really excited to hear about this one. Would you like to tell us a bit more? Sure. So curiosity, um, according to many, many people, is um, one of the key components of self-awareness and emotional intelligence. So when we stay curious, I mean, I remember as a little girl, uh, my mom used to call me Miss Curious because I always used to ask why. So she would say, you know, like, uh, that plant has a red flower. And then I'd say, why? And then she'd give me a response. And I'd say, but why? <laughs> and when we ask questions, it encourages a growth learning mindset, which means that we're more accepting and open to new ideas. And today, I'm sure you'll agree that there are many people in communities that are not curious, that don't ask questions. And, and that makes us isolated because then we don't stay open to learning new things. And perhaps, I mean, I'm just thinking of the woman that listened to your podcast, Kat, and simply by listening to a podcast, you probably are a curious person, which is a really good quality to cultivate. So when I go to bed at night, I generally ask myself uh, three questions. I ask myself, what can I celebrate from today? Who did I connect with? And the third question is, what am I curious about? Because if we stop being curious, it means that we possibly stop asking questions and wanting to learn new things. And when we stay curious, it also helps us to spark creativity, which then drives innovation, which are key things for any any biz business. So 
there's also some research that I've read that links potentially curiosity to longevity so because it helps our brain stay active because we're learning and asking questions. So that's a bit around the aspect around why curiosity is important. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting one and something that I'm really intrigued by this year as well. Um, yeah. Just thinking back to a lot of the conversations I have with the women in my community, so many women are panicking about their purpose. They're like, what, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? What, um, what is my dream job? What is my dream business? And I think curiosity is an amazing way to explore, to explore ourselves and cultivate self-awareness, but also to explore like all the different options that are out there in the world for us. And if, I think if more people follow their curiosity and with curiosity comes, you know, passion, excitement, um, causes that we really care about, all these different things that add so much to our lives, that yeah. can be a huge game changer. And, you know, over time, you might look back in 10 years and think, oh, I, I am living my purpose rather than seeing it as this really, a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves, I found, to find their purpose or find you know, the meaning of their life. But curiosity is a great way, I think, to take the pressure off that a little bit too. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's so many benefits and dimensions to um, the positive side of being being curious. Like for, for instance, um, when things aren't working in your life or your business or maybe even your health, I mean, that, that's my area of passion. So helping women to stay healthy and well and energized. Like if, for instance, you're struggling to lose weight or you're struggling with a health condition, to don't ever just accept the status quo. Stay curious. Ask questions because that will maybe help you find different answers and find solutions that you might not have thought about. So, yeah, absolutely. Curiosity is a wonderful skill to cultivate. I love that one. And how can we be more curious then throughout our day so I love the question you ask yourself at the end of the day I think that's really interesting and thinking back to connection as well um I often explore what's on my mind when I'm meditating as well so I'll be like I'm I'm worrying about this a lot recently or I'm focused on this aspect of my life a lot recently like I, I wonder what that means I wonder what's missing I wonder what I can try to add that into my life yeah so if we think about children um well i'm thinking of children and even little uh, kittens for instance or or puppies they they just always stay playful and playful is around being curious asking questions keeping a sense of wonder exploring doing new things and and as adults we often lose touch with that kids also have an incredible imagination so this is how curiosity could link to meditation as well is when you meditate you also allow yourself to use your imagination because for instance if you go inward and you relax your body or there's some meditations that i do where i visualize myself being in a beautiful nature place that makes me feel good and that's also a way to stay stay curious and playful is to use our imagination 
And as women, I mean, a, a practical way to do this is to read books and stories that are not based on historical fact or business or uh, nonfiction, to actually read novels and things that spark your your imagination. Yeah, I love that. I also think creativity is a great way for me to explore mm-hmm. that. So as a business owner or as a busy woman working nine to five, whether you work for yourself or someone else, I think we lose that we lose that sense of creativity in our day sometimes for creativity for creativity's sake so when we're younger we always have like after school activities or we might have music lessons I used to do singing lessons I used to do dancing I used to do acting and all these different things that as kids we're encouraged to do and we love to do and it gives us such an outlet um we don't make time most adults I think don't make enough time for hobbies because we feel like everything we do has to be productive so I found since making time in my day to go to a dance class every now and then or just play music and sing in my room (laughs) sounds silly but it does yeah that's that childlike playfulness that I remember and I can tap back into that sort of version of myself and it really helps with my business and everything and everything else in my life it makes me a happier person because it's what I love to do absolutely me me too Uh, I feel the same benefit so I I enjoy doing mosaicing and um, I'd, I'd like to start learning how to draw and I find that you know, that engages the right brain and you start thinking in a different way. And often you come up with solutions and ideas that you would never have thought of if you weren't in that creative, playful place. Yeah, yeah, I really found that. Why do you think women are, this is such a huge question, so I don't expect you to answer it in detail, in full comprehensive detail, but it's just something I think about a lot and that's why do you think that busy women um, deny themselves pleasure and joy in their day? I, I think a lot has to do with, well, well, two things. The first thing is that we, we live in a world that is quite fast-paced and values productivity, drive, task-orientated, getting things done, so more... Um, some people might refer to that as a masculine approach. That's more yeah. warrior. Yeah. Whereas pleasure falls into more of the softer side of things, which is more the feminine type of approach. And I think as women, we, we've just learned over the past decades and hundreds of years to show up, especially in the workplace, in a more masculine way. In fact, I think a lot of us wear, wear masks because our culture rewards this very fast-paced approach, but things are definitely changing. I mean, there's shifts happening and we can see businesses are now starting to say, how can we be more collaborative? How can we bring in aspects of giving, not just taking and being more socially and environmentally aware? And having conversations, I mean, I've been to conferences now where we're starting to talk about empathy and love and vulnerability so Brene Brown who's a phenomenal woman who has um, a, a very 
popular TED Talk where she speaks about vulnerability and she's got research to show that actually businesses are more productive when they bring in these kind of components. And so there is a shift to more um, showing up authentically. And as women, I think a lot of us would perhaps like to be more feminine. I know that in the beginning of my career, I used to dress in a masculine way because I thought that that was what would be acceptable. So I used to wear suits and tailored shirts, whereas now my wardrobe is filled with beautiful dresses. And I find that it's much easier for me to show up and still be taken seriously as a businesswoman. And then also, if we look at, for instance, so the French culture, I find French women, for them, they don't ask about, they don't question pleasure. It's like, it's part of how they are. Whereas British women, perhaps, we haven't been brought up in a context of bringing in daily small pleasures. So it's something we almost have to train ourselves to do. Yeah, I love that. I am all about those small, simple, almost seemingly insignificant things throughout our day that a lot of women are so busy that they deny themselves even that, even if it's two minutes or 30 seconds or no time at all. So do you have any small habits or practices like that I know you've shared a ton of great tips and I hope everyone has taken something away to try today but to just finish off before we head into the quick round um how do you carve out those small moments of your day for pleasure when you're busy and rushing from meetings and you've got a very hectic busy schedule The first thing to know is that it doesn't have to take a lot of time or money. Also, the investment can be as little as, I mean, some research and science is showing that if we experience something pleasurable for 20 seconds or half a minute, we are able to relax the body. It sends signals to our brain that we're safe. And so our nervous system becomes calmer and we start releasing pleasure hormones like dopamine and oxytocin that counteract the effect of stress hormones like cortisol. So that's amazing, right? Like you you just need to start with 30 seconds. You don't need to go off and book yourself into a spa, which is often not accessible or something that many busy women will do. So what can you do for half a minute? Um, what, what I use is I always think back to the senses. So So we've got sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing. And this is how I bring in Um, what I call sensuality into my life. That's not just about being sensual in the bedroom, but about being sensual throughout our days and bringing pleasure in what we see, what we smell, what we taste, what what we feel and touch and what we hear. So for instance, one quick idea for each. You mentioned around um, hearing that you sometimes play your favorite song or music and you just dance. So That could be something you could do for half a minute or maybe the duration of a song, so three minutes, is play a song that makes you joyful and happy and is pleasurable. Then uh, around sight, like what makes you happy when you look at it? I know for me, I absolutely love flowers. So if, if I can find a flower in nature or if I'm walking down the high street and there's a florist, I will sometimes stop and just for a minute, I will look and focus on the flowers. And if you don't have flowers, you can even just close your eyes and imagine 
something beautiful. Um, often, often nature is a beautiful place for us to create some pleasure. And if you don't want to do that, you can always jump onto YouTube and watch some comedy for a few minutes. Um, but something that will be pleasurable. You know, don't watch the latest economic report. <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah. Or read the news about Brexit. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Brexit is not sensual. <laughs> no. And then, um, so that's hearing, sight. Then what about smell? I know for me, one of my favorite, most pleasurable smells is um, vanilla. Or I've got this very special candle that I keep next to my bed. I bought it from a company called Scented, and they do beautiful candles. And when they melt, you can actually use the melted wax as an oil. So I'll light the candle at night, and, and I love the smell. And then I put the, the oil onto my hands, and I, and I, and I rub it into my hands. Um, and I, the smell is just beautiful and very relaxing because it's got lavender in it. And I do that before I go to bed at night. Um, I, I know another smell that's pleasurable for me is coffee, baking, especially banana bread or toast. Yeah. So, you know, there's lots of smells that we, we, we can use for moments of pleasure. Putting my favorite perfume on as well for work is a big one for me. Yeah. Is where, where the perfume that makes you feel incredible and is very pleasurable for you. Yeah. And then around, um, touch, is I know I love warm water against my skin. So when I've had a really stressful day, that's when I might um, bath as opposed to shower. Or if I can't do that, I'll maybe just sit for a few minutes and I'll give myself a massage. I'll literally, I'll rub my neck and my shoulders because I carry a lot of my tension there. And I'm sure there's a lot of women listening to this podcast that also carry tension in their neck and shoulders. So even just massaging and touching yourself or, of course, if you can find a friend or a loved one or a pet that you can actually hug, uh, we know that after just a minute or so of hugging, you know, you, you can feel connected and calm. Yeah, I love that. And taste, which, you know, taste. most taste. of us are going to feel better about. <laughs> well, taste. So, for instance, I love, I love cheese. I love chocolate. I love champagne. And uh, if you're wanting to go on a diet, those are probably three things that will be cut off the diet, you know. So the, the idea also around the champagne campaign is quality over quantity. So when it comes to food, treat yourself to the best possible things that you enjoy so that you can rather have quality, not quantity. So for instance, if I feel like chocolate or cheese or wine is I will really have the best quality chocolate, but in small amounts and savor it. Like so many of us, when we're stressed, we can just wipe down a slab of chocolate. Whereas if we just took the time to maybe break off a few pieces and not be distracted and actually taste the chocolate melting in your mouth and try and pick up the different flavors and appreciate it in that moment. Be, be that chocolate or cheese or whatever your favorite food is. That can also help us to derive more pleasure from food. Sadly, as, especially in Britain, I mean, I read a shocking report. I was at the Birmingham Health and Wellness Conference uh, about a month and a half ago, and one of the speakers announced that only a quarter of English families eat at a table as families. So yeah. 25% of us are sitting down together and eating a meal at a table. The rest of us are not eating together or we're eating on the go or we're eating watching TV. Um, so, you know, the one thing French families generally do, 
perhaps not in the center of Paris, although I've got family that live in Paris and they do do that, you know, at lunchtime, even in businesses in Paris, often businesses will, you know, you'll see people leaving the building and they go and they eat lunch and they sit for an hour. Yeah. And, and the shops, are, the shops close, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And we don't do that. We just feel so rushed. But actually, if we took five or 10 minutes to sit and eat our lunch pleasurably or sip a cup of tea or coffee without being frantic and busy and taking calls and answering emails, that also may give us an opportunity to problem solve, to be creative, to be curious, to to think of ideas that we wouldn't have if we just kept on being very busy. Yeah, so much to think about and it's really accessible as well because these are things we can all try to add in today because they're free, um, they don't take a lot of time, they're really easy and simple to add into our schedule. So thank you so much for sharing that. Sure. So moving on to the quick round questions, I ask every guest. The first one, which you'll have answered these already, but I'm excited to hear if your answers have changed. Um, question one is your go-to self-care ritual. Oh, my go-to self-care ritual is, I think similar to yours, is my morning routine. So I, I keep my phone on um, do not disturb. And for the first half an hour of being awake, I don't switch that off so that I don't get bombarded with emails or WhatsApps. And I spend time journaling. I write one page. I got that idea from a book called The Artist's Way. Um, and it's called Morning Pages. And since I've been doing it, I definitely feel more creative. So I journal. I then move and do some very simple stretching. And then I meditate for either 10 or 15 or maybe 20 minutes if I have the time. Fantastic. Second question is, what is challenging you to leave your comfort zone recently? Ah, two things. The first thing is... Um, well, I've recently moved into central London and I'm committing to some big projects, which is exciting. So I've got this um, positive anticipation <laughs> around um, just just a new life and, and the responsibility that comes with that um, and what it means for my business, which is exciting. And also I've done some personal coaching over the last month. So it's pushing me out of my comfort zone because I'm starting to notice my own behavior patterns, especially around... I, I tend to seek approval versus want to control or withdraw. And so I'm noticing that dynamic with all my different relationships. And I'm just working with a coach to understand that and to, to potentially show up better or the way, the way I which I see myself as a woman that I'd like to be. I love that. Thank you. Next question is, what are your 2019 goals? And these can be personal or professional. Well, the big one is I want to officially launch the Champagne Campaign, which will start as a one-day event and then our first retreat, which hopefully will be run on a Champagne farm, either in Champagne or at one of the Champagne-making wineries or vineyards in the UK. Because, you know, the UK makes really good, well, we can't call it Champagne, yeah. but it is made in the same way. <laughs> yeah, I've, I have heard that. I've never actually tried it, but I, sh I probably should. Yeah, yeah. I went to one a few weekends ago, Hattingley Valley Wines. Very good, very good champagne. So um, I'd like to launch the champagne campaign. And part of that is finding a charity or a community project that I can support that also shows um, celebration, 
connection and curiosity, those three components. And so any listeners, if you have ideas, if you're involved in a project, please can't contact me. And then on a personal note, one of my goals is I want to become an advanced salsa dancer this year. Oh, I love that. I love dancing. I think it's such, uh, talking about, you know, that feminine, divine feminine energy, like dance is just so transformative for me. And I love when other women talk about doing it. So yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Salsa dancing as well. That must be incredible. Okay. Um, would you like to share a favorite resource that you're loving or, you know, something it might be a book, a podcast, um, a TED Talk, whatever it is that's a go-to for you. Well, one of my go-to, um, there's a lot of people that I respect, but Martha Beck at the moment, I'm busy reading some of her books. She's got um, some great ideas. And then there's a local lady that I was coached by. Her name is Nikki Owen. And uh, I must say, my favorite resource are her, she's got these beautiful hypno meditations that help you sleep at night. I know that there's many of them available off her website. Her website is Nikki J. Owen. And I, I the, the nights that I listen to her meditations, I sleep soundly. So I, that's a, a wonderful resource for me. I love it. I'll be, I'll definitely be looking into them. Thank you. And finally, where can people go to follow you online and support you and hopefully come to one of your fabulous champagne retreats when they begin? <laughs> um, yeah, you'll you'll be invited for sure. I think the best place is um, my website, which is my name.com. So Celine Morin, which is not spelled like Celine Dion, it's spelled C-E-L-Y-N-N. Morin is M-O-R-I-N.com. CelineMorin.com and on Instagram I am available under Resilient Energy. Love it and those will be linked in the show notes for you guys to go and click on easily and head there so thank you so much Celine for your time today I'm feeling really inspired and very calm you have such a wonderful calming energy and thank you for sharing your story and tips today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Put Yourself First. If you enjoyed it or you have any feedback, I would love you to leave me a rating and review wherever you're listening to this. And if you'd like to reach out to me on social media to let me know you enjoyed it or just have a chat and say hi, I'm at cat underscore horrocks on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're feeling extra kind, share this on to a friend who you know needs to hear this one too.